Welcome to the What She Said podcast. My name is Candace Sampson. I am currently in the middle of divorce proceedings, working towards my psychology degree, dating for the first time in 20 years, raising three teenage girls, a senior dog, and two guinea pigs. And in the middle of all this, I thought it would be a good time to buy the What She Said media property. What could possibly go wrong? I've been in the trenches with women across Canada for over a decade now, oversharing on the Yummy Mummy Club, Life in Pleasantville, and on all my social media pages, and I totally do it for the gram. And now I'm coming to you on the radio at 105.9 The Region and on this podcast. Apparently, I have a lot to say. So let's get rolling. I've long been an admirer of my next guest, Nadine Araxi Silverthorne, who is a intellectual feminist badass with a wicked sense of humor. And I have probably tipped a glass or two with her over the years, at least a couple of times at conferences. And so when she posted on her Facebook page that she actually gave up drinking, Sacre bleu, how could it be? She was actually questioning our whole, very carefully constructed mommy drinking culture out loud. And I thought that was very brave and very interesting because a lot of women are starting to question our whole sort of culture around drinking. Mommy needs a drink, or mommy can't get through this day for vod- without vodka, or you know, coffee to wine, or is it wine o'clock? It goes on and on. The memes are everywhere, and it's very dangerous, and it's time to address it. Because drinking doesn't necessarily mean you're an alcoholic and you need a 12-step program, but maybe you do need to cut back a little bit. And we should be able to talk about it openly without there being any shame attached to it. So, My next guest and I get into it a little bit. So meet Nadine Silverthorne. Nadine, I remember back in November, you posted on your Facebook page that you were giving up drinking. And I don't know, I wasn't shocked necessarily, but I just found it interesting how you approached it. Because personally, I feel like sometimes there's more stigma attached to not drinking than drinking. Oh yeah, totally. Did you get that sort of back on your? Did you get that pushback when you said you know you were giving it up for a while? Oh yeah, people were like, either a, I didn't know you had a problem, and I was like, no, (laughs) (laughs) I'm very fortunate to not necessarily have a problem. Um, I'm definitely a person who, you know, if I'm filling out a medical form and it asks how many drinks you have a week, I would probably take two to three. But then if you get into, um, you know, the size of what counts as one drink. We did a big story in Chatelaine, uh, I think two years ago now, around the World Health Organization and all the things that have come out around how women synthesize alcohol and the long-term health impacts. And, um, you know, it's since come out that it was buried for many years. I'm like, how do you survive the patriarchy without alcohol? (laughs) (laughs) But... Yes, what is one drink? Is it five ounces of wine? Is right. it nine ounces of wine, right? Um, and is it a bottle? Well, like, these yeah. are things we joke about, right? We do. We joke about this yeah. all the time. And, and it, yeah, I feel like I, I, I'm Gen X. Are you Gen X? 
I'm Gen X. Yeah, I'm 45. So I, I remember sort of observing I, my, my mom drank and, you know, they, they drank obviously and had fun and, and, but there was never sort of this culture around mommy needs wine. Yeah. I can't get through this without vodka. Like that's really come out in our generation. I find. Yeah. I think so too. Although if you watch Mad Men, you know, that generation was definitely, and it depends on the, the parent culture. Like I know definitely um, my kids, other grandma, not my mom, definitely was more of a generation of, yeah, we drank and we smoked and we didn't know. And you guys turned out fine. Right. right. Like there's also that narrative. Um, I think so. Going back to your first question about being judged harshly, I came out um, in November saying I hadn't been drinking. I stopped on November 3rd. And um, for me, it's uh, I like to do experiments. So if I go on a date, if I anything in life can be an experiment, I'm seeking a data point. So for me, I've been playing through the coaching work that I do with this idea of like, what if I made a different choice? What happens if I make a different choice? And I've been noticing this, this pull to, I come home stressed and I'm like, mommy needs a drink, right? Um, We joke about it. There's t-shirts, there's socks, there's memes, there's everything around this. And we're like, this is what it takes to survive modern parenting. And to be fair, I think we're the first generation of women who are working and parenting en masse at a time where parenting has become a sport. And that's like, there's never been a generation like that, right? So it's like, we kind of feel entitled sometimes because it's stressful. Yeah. So I don't want to take that away from anyone. So I found a lot of the judgment was people felt I was judging them for drinking. Well, you don't drink. So I'm sorry. I'm just going to have like some wine. Is that okay? And I'm like, yeah, it, it was about me, but people were making it about them. Right. And there's this, you know, there's also this thing like, you know, I remember I, I you know, a couple of times I'd say to a friend, well, I'm going to give up drinking for, you know, 30 days and they'd go, okay, well, we'll see you in 30 days. <laughs> They don't want to be around you right now. Um, So we do sort of tend to do that. Also, you say, no, no, thanks. I don't want to drink. And people, you know, no, I'd rather not. And people automatically assume that there's sort of alcoholism tied with that by declining. Right. Or you're some kind of like severe ascetic who is just like, you know, going to go super vegan, all the, all the choices on the other side of the spectrum, which, you know, I think we're lucky to live in a time where we have lots of choices. Um, and people think that because you're doing something that's considered pure, that you're judging them, right? Uh, I, so yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, I did, I tried, I had tried a dry January uh, the same year that I did, I ended up doing like 120 days of sobriety. And um, and I was dating a Frenchman at the time. And he, he was like, dry January, like talk about a stereotype, right? <laughs> the Frenchman <laughs> with the champagne and the wine. And so I was like, I'm doing dry January, except when I see the Frenchman. And then I realized I was always making excuses every time I had set out to try drinking less or I'm not drinking during the week unless I go out with my team after work, you know, like there was always a, a, but. Right. And so 
I was like, I watched, there was a Baroness Von Sketch skit. I, I love that skit, actually. The dry yes. January one. Well, you're going to drink at Kathy and John's wedding, right? Like, <laughs> there's always an excuse. And I thought, no, I got to like set like a weird number and I got to just go for it. So initially it was 100 days. Um, and I ended up going past that because I wasn't quite ready yet. And I actually had my first drink when I was in Ottawa in February. And, uh, and I was with, I stayed a night with friends and they had made us like made me a nice dinner and I just love being in their home. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to have a little bit of wine with you. And I find that after doing such a long period of not drinking, my relationship with it changed. Right. So it was like, I can enjoy this and I can choose this consciously, but it's not just this thing I grab when I'm not feeling great. Exactly. Because there is something to that, right? Like, um, there's, I, I, I'm really into, uh, there's a Buddhist nun that I really like uh, reading her stuff and uh, listening to her talks. Her name is uh, Pema Chodron. And she always talks about, be careful of what you reach for in times of discomfort, because we're always trying to escape a feeling. Right. And you might grab your phone, you might, you know, turn on a Netflix show or whatever you do to numb that feel that uncomfortable feeling that we're trying to avoid. And we do it a thousand times a day. Right. Average human has 60,000 thoughts a day. And some of those are like, make your mouth move, bend your elbows, whatever. And then some of them are like, Oh, shit's getting real. I got a poor drink. Can we swear on your podcast? Yes. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Sorry, I was looking. I mean, I assumed so, but I thought yeah, I would. Yeah, we swear. can totally swear. <laughs> I love the pause. That made me laugh. Um, go ahead. Drop the swears. Um, so I was looking up a stat, though, because before we got on here, I was looking up some stats, and um, I actually found it in a Today's Parent article. Um, and it was talking about... Um, so it says here, in 2018, Canada's chief public health officers report on the state of public health identified alcohol use in women as one of the most pressing concerns of our time. So did that, did that kind of stuff, that kind of knowledge working in media, was that sort of stuff maybe a catalyst for you to, to stop? Yeah, but it took me a whole year. Right. <laughs> Right, because so, I kept making excuses. I read that, and then like we covered it at Chatelaine. We covered it at Today's Parent from the you know mommy, mommy wine culture, mommy juice, um, and so I was reading that stuff, and then going deeper and reading the government recommendations. You know, I'm a journalist uh, by trade, and and uh, I do a lot of reading about this stuff. Um, yeah, it impacted me because I thought especially in your 40s, you have a new sense of your health and well-being in a way that you didn't respect previously, maybe because yeah. you thought you were invincible because you were young. Yeah. Right? So the, and, and you start to have friends who are diagnosed with things and it does start to become very real to you that your health is really in your hands, essentially. Yeah. So, you know, um, there's the point, like genetics yeah. too. Sure. But yeah. There's things we can control. And, you know, and we can't control being hit by a bus, for example, if we're walking, you know. Sure. So there's, there's lots of variables there, but our health, a lot of it is in our hands, right? How we treat ourselves, you know, and so on. So, um, so what was sort of the first thing you started to notice 
when you when you finally stopped, what's the first couple of things you noticed in the first few days? Oh, it was hard at first. Um, you are going through a process of detoxifying your liver, and you might not even think so. You you need to be drinking enough water to help that process, and working on your sleep and you go through a withdrawal, even if you don't think you're drinking that much, you definitely, your body is, and your mind is used to grabbing that wine or having a hot toddy before bed or whatnot. Um, so you have to do something else. I don't know if you've ever tried to go uh, cell phone free for like a period of time. I did or- once for a week. I had a friend um, actually change all my passwords on all of my social media accounts and not tell me the password. Wow. Uh, <laughs> that was hard. It was really hard. hard. And at the end of the, the week, I felt so good. And, but I have not been able to get back to that point again. It's hard because you're, you're like, you realize that it's somewhat controlling you. Um, and then I go through phases where I'll delete Facebook and Instagram and then I grab my phone and I go to scroll and I was like, Oh, there's nothing to look at here. And I consciously say to myself, I say, the answer you are looking for is not in your phone. Yeah. That's it. That's interesting. You know, I have all these, um, things set up on my phone, time limits and it shuts down. I just work around them. Yeah. I don't, totally. I, it's just, I'm Same. just creating extra steps to get to the stuff. So, you know. It's a being, being aware that you're doing that, you know, making excuses. So it's the yeah. same with drinking. Yeah. It's just like sort of, uh, you know, or intuitive eating or whatnot. Like it's, it's like listening to yourself and tuning in with yourself rather than going seeking ex, an external way out. And the, the one thing about all those things that I just mentioned, you know, food, alcohol, phone use, your kids are watching. And my kids are now 15 and 12, almost 13. And what does it say to them when I come home from work and I'm like reaching for the glass of wine before doing anything else? Right. Um, they're at an age where they'll be making decisions around these things for themselves. And um, yeah, I just realized like, what do I want to model for them? Right. So what do you think, so are you aware now, because you, you've, you've done this and you've been through this process, are you aware of the current conversation around alcohol during this pandemic? Because it's a huge well, conversation, right? Because uh, alcohol sales are skyrocketing, uh, you know, people are, everybody's talking about it, you know? Yeah, it's an essential service, alcohol and the Ontario Cannabis Service, LCBO in Ontario, at least where we live. Yeah, and um, I remember when that first was established as essential, I, I went, what, really? And a few people pointed out, well, you know, there are people who are genuinely addicted to alcohol. This could create problems in the home. I don't know. Is that really the reason why it's an essential service? It's a big reason, especially because a lot of those people would end up in hospital and right now the hospitals are overwhelmed as it is. So it's trying to prevent, you know, you're just a little bit pushing it further down. Um, but yeah, a lot of people would end up in crisis and that would, that has its own ripple effect. So I think public health officials, when they are making these decisions, it's a mix of like sociology, human behavior and the medicine and the science, right? right. Um, so they have to do what's best sort of for the population as a whole given the facts that they're aware of. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I was not drinking. And my daughter said to me on 
was it Saturday night? She said, you realize you've had a drink like three nights in a row. And I was like, oh no. I was like two maybe. And then I was like, oh yeah, three nights in a row. But I mean, (laughs) now it's like I can make a bottle of wine last a whole week. Right. In the pandemic because of rationing. And also I'm not, I'm not, you know, I was a party girl in my twenties. Um, right up until I got pregnant, I would say at 29. So, um, I drank a lot. Like if you read those guidelines now, I am concerned about, you know, the state of my liver, um, and what I have retroactively done to myself. Um, so I, I was a person who drank, could drink quite a bit. I'm five one. I don't, uh, I, I, I drink like a six foot tall man sometimes. You know, I'm like trying to keep up with the boys, like, ah, right. But I never saw it as a problem. I was always like, look at me. I can keep up with the boys. I feel like we're very much kindred spirits here. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, I get it all. Uh, so, um, but I, I think on the flip side of this, through this, this um, you know, allow making alcohol an essential service, we, like you just said, you just had three drinks in a row unconsciously, so three nights in a row unconsciously. Are we creating another beast when we come out of this on the other side? Because people are at home drinking vast amounts of alcohol uh, to self-soothe or self-medicate themselves through this whole crisis. Yeah. I mean, fear and anxiety are, you know, present definitely in a time of such great uncertainty. We've never, you know, they keep calling it unprecedented times. Uh, we definitely haven't gone through something like at to this scale of like globally before in our lifetime at least. Um, and there will be mental health impacts across the board when this is over. There's no doubt of that. I have friends who are therapists and they are working on video calls like nonstop right now, which is great. It means people are seeking help. And I, if you're listening right now and you're having a problem, you know, please seek help. Talk to your doctor reach out to friends. Um, it, the thing is that um, mental health issues often trick us into thinking we're alone, that we're the only ones feeling the way we're feeling. And the thing that I want everyone who's listening right now to be aware of is that this is one place where you are not alone. Everyone is feeling this. Everyone. I manage my mind every day. I do meditation every day. I do a journaling, you know, thought work every day. And I am also on this roller coaster. So it's you're not funny. Alone. I do. A, I, I, well, I, I, show, I want to say I do. I did. Um, I was meditating daily. I was doing a gratitude journal daily. I was being very mindful. And then this pandemic hit. And, it, and I, I just, all those habits just slid off of my radar because yeah. I just felt my world sort of turn upside down. And, you know, um, for personal reasons, I've sort of been in fight or flight for a while now. And so when this happened, it was just sort of this added stress. And I don't know why I let go of those, um, those things that were keeping me grounded. It, it was, it it's was very, odd. very common. Um, when we're stressed, we slip back into old habit energy, I call it. So you end up going sort of back to the devil you know when you've been working hard to practice new habits. And you kind of have to double down and make a conscious effort to, to go to do the things that optimize yourself. But it's the first thing to go. People who work out and they know it makes them feel good every day. They get a rush of endorphins. It's their anchor. Yeah. As soon as they're stressed, as soon as work gets too busy, I'm one of those people. 
it goes out the door. So what I recommend to people is pick the one or two things that you can control. So one of the questions I write out every day is what can you control today? And so often like doing a meditation or going for a walk, those kinds of things that just help to clear our minds. It's, it's the one thing that you can commit to in the day that will make the biggest impact. Right. They say that if, um, was it Dr. Andrew wheel? He said that if he had to take away all forms of exercise um, and just pick one that people he would recommend to all of his patients, it would be doing breathing work. Right. Yeah. And that is, that is true. I, I do. Fo- that's one thing I think that keeps me fairly grounded is that when I feel my, you know, I'm only breathing to, you know, just right to the top of my throat and not that full breath. I'm aware of that. And so I start to take those deeper breaths and, and it, it helps me, it helps ground me and bring me back into the moment. And I think that's true. That's a great point. Um, so what would you say to people right now though, about drinking then about women in particular who are drinking? Because you know, there are the jokes out there and there's all these memes about drinking in quarantine and we're laughing and joking about it, but it's maybe not quarantinis. Yes. (laughs) And so it's maybe not so funny. And, and maybe it's just sort of, you know, with no judgment on anybody, sort of just if you're at home and you're thinking about, man, maybe this is getting a little out of hand. What would you, what would you say to them? Yeah, think of it as an experiment, as a, you're trying to get a data point. What would I be like if I didn't drink during the week or if I went from, you know, two bottles of wine a week to one bottle? It doesn't, it's not all or nothing. It was for me, but that might not work for you. So try it and see how you feel. And the best way to monitor that so you're actually spending time evaluating yourself and reflecting is to put pen to paper. So I, I think that's the best um, and meditation also helps, but it's more like of a grounding before I, my brain's fully awake and I just want to sort of clear and start from a calm place. But I, some people don't like sitting still. That's cool. Yeah. Lots um, of people can't meditate. Yeah. But sitting down and writing out your thoughts or dictating your thoughts into your phone, like whatever works for you, but just a place where you can dump it. And then when you look back at it, you'll start to see some patterns. You'll start to see where you're tripping yourself up. Um, You'll start to notice the stories we tell ourselves that we believe are true, that we believe are essentially who we are, and we get stuck in those stories. This is all part of the the coaching work that I do. Um, And so my background as a storyteller is quite helpful in uh, in that space, but also I am a great storyteller, and man, can I editorialize a circumstance right so so people um do you think there's a way like again is it is it creating that sort of that self-awareness of how we're also triggered by what we're seeing what our friends are sharing uh about drinking and and the memes and the jokes is it sort of you know instead of instinctually laughing and going ha ha maybe going eh yeah it's like Yeah, when you feel that, uh, you know, there's lots of things. Like right now, you're probably scrolling too much news. And I say this as someone who works for McLean's. You're probably reading too much news before you go to bed, and then you're wondering why you can't get to sleep. You're probably spending too much time on social media to distract yourself, but then people are filling your brain with their ideas. And so for you to sort of be able to lift out of that, you need to create safe rituals for yourself that 
um, you know, true self-care. It might be a bubble bath, but, you know, I think true self-care is thinking of future you and acting in the present for future you. That might be like, you know what, I'm going to just take this time. I bought all these beans. I hoarded all these beans. I'm going to make a big pot of chili. And then on Thursday, when I don't feel like cooking anymore, I'm going to thank Sunday me because Thursday me has a bowl of chili. It could be anything like that. But thinking of your future self and like nurturing. Um, sometimes I like to talk to myself in Ryan Gosling voice. So <laughs> I'll do a, hey girl. Hey girl. <laughs> yeah, you know, totally. I do a, Hey girl, I know you don't feel like making your bed right now, but you know when you come home after a long day, you're really gonna want to see that bed made. You know, like <laughs> it's just making like my bed for me is one of those things that I feel I can control. Control, yeah. That yeah. for me is a that is a that is a control point in my day uh, that I have to do because it there's so many variables and I'm like that's the one thing I know that I can control every day is that making my bed and that feeling you're right of getting into it at the end of the day. It's everything. It's everything. Totally. And so it is, it's what can you control? It's prioritizing, like making decisions based on what's going to best serve you. So when you come across a piece of media that kind of pokes fun about quarantinis or whatever, you know, you, you have a decision to make in terms of how does this serve you right now where you're at? And it might, you might be like, I really needed that laugh and it was funny to me. Um, Or you might be feeling uncomfortable with your own habits and looking to change them. And that may be an opportunity for you to mute the person or just not engage with it. I find with myself, sometimes I'm like, why do I feel the need to comment on all these posts, you know? And sometimes you find yourself diving into something and then you're in the weeds with it, going back and forth with someone, especially right now when people's emotions are heightened, everyone deals with this in a different way. So and I also, have friends- there's that sort of that other thing of drinking and social media combined becomes an animal unto itself, you know? Totally. <laughs> so it's, it's almost like, you should not be allowed on social media if you're drinking. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And don't text your ex. <laughs> <laughs> that too. So you do coaching then. So are you, if people want to reach out to you and talk to you about this, is this something that you, you help women with? Because I feel like people say, oh, I'm going to quit drinking and you know, there's all this automatic association with like, it's got to be a 12 step program and things like that. And it, it doesn't, right? It, unless this is very severe for you, that's not necessarily the steps you need to take. Yeah. Uh, so I would say, yes, absolutely. We're helping people a lot right now. We're doing a weekly pop-up on Wednesdays at 5.15 Eastern time. Um, and we're trying a Facebook Live this week. But um, typically we do it through Zoom. You can reach us at Kickstartology on Instagram. Um, you can look us up on Facebook. Uh, and kickstartology.com is our website. So Stephanie Marshall is my business partner and she's a full-time coach. Um, I have a day job and this is my side hustle, but I love it. I love seeing women have those breakthroughs. I love helping coach women to, you know, make their dreams a reality. It's so amazing when you see that happen. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely. We're doing a bunch of free stuff right now. Every morning at 7am, we just have an open zoom call 
uh, and we journaled together from 7 to 7.30, and then we talked feelings from 7.30 to 8, and then everyone has time to get ready for their work day, feed their kids breakfast. Um, yeah, lots of touch points right now. And then we have a six-month coaching program where we meet um, once to twice a week, and we have like a great program and a workbook, and we share that all with our clients. It's great. Okay, amazing. So it's more than just obviously drinking. It's sort of a life uh, you know, getting control of your yeah, life. Yeah, it's like, what is your objective and where are your thoughts stopping you from having what you want? Right. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for joining me, Nadine. This was uh, fun, as usual. I, I expect that it to be a fun conversation with you, but also very educational. Uh, so uh, I'm sure it's, a lot of people are going to find this very useful. Great. Uh, thanks for having me and I'm happy to talk about it anytime. Uh, I'm sure you'll send all the relevant links. So please feel free to reach out if you're struggling. Uh, I've gone through it and I'm happy to share my experiences with you and offer some tips of what might work. Amazing. Thank you. Thanks. Talk soon. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.